Welcome to Richmond Kickers Weekly. Thank you to the Red Army for playing us in. Uh, thank you to myself for being here, but not uh, Daryl Grove, my usual co-host. Instead, I have a new co-host uh, all the way from New Jersey. It's Mr. Ira Jersey. Ira, thank you very much for talking Richmond Kickers with me. Great to be here. Second time on Richmond <laughs> Kickers Weekly. Really excited. I think last time you were you were like sitting in. We were all about to go go get lunch, and then we ended up just kind of asking you questions, and it turned into an impromptu recording session, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, but yeah, this one, this one, a bit more uh, planned out, I should say, because Ira has been watching so, some Richmond Kickers throughout the season uh, for his podcast, uh, the League One Fun Podcast. Ira, for folks who aren't familiar, can you explain a little bit about uh, the show and what y'all do? Sure. So, League One Fun is basically a survey show where we watch all of the games in USL League One and basically discuss them. We talk about the news. We talk about, you know, kind of all of the teams, both tactically and technically. And uh, we, we also do interviews with uh, with players and coaches as well. So, earlier in the year when I was down in Richmond, for example, I talked to Coach Bulo as well as a couple of the players. Um, so, uh, I've only missed six matches uh, of USL League One so far this year. And uh, you know, it's been uh, it, it's you know been a real labor of love. <laughs> I feel like most of the labor part of that was Richmond Kickers related. <laughs> that was certainly part of it. <laughs> I, you know, so I have an affinity to Richmond because of uh, not only because of you guys, and obviously I've been a longtime listener and supporter of of your show, but because I, uh, I I do have know some of the some of the players on the kicker. So Scotty Thompson, for example, uh, his uh, his brother was my son's soccer coach, and and Scotty actually oh, gave right. me some one on some one on one tips on how to actually kick with my left foot so I can be more effective in my over forty leagues. So, <laughs> oh, that's so, good. All right. So I have, I have a little bit of an affinity to uh, to Richmond because of that. And we should we should add yeah Ira uh, when you say you've been a supporter you have listened to the show you have uh, visited with us you've like uh, come to sh- we've hung out in Chicago a little bit but also uh, you joined the scouting network pretty early on you're Ashley Sanchez is that right? That's right. So I, I cover Ashley Sanchez. So I'm waiting for that scouting report because she uh, she did pretty well at the beginning of the NCAA season for All UCLA. Right. All right. I'm, well, I'm excited to get to that. But right now we should get to the Richmond Kickers who I'm going to say like have had another slight turnaround in their season. I think there have been a couple moments where it felt like, OK, now things are going to start clicking. Two-game winning streak this past weekend. A 4-1 to one come from behind win against uh, South Georgia Tormenta FC. Uh, I, I, Isaac, I know you were watching that one. I believe you were watching it with your your son, you all did some detailed deep dive analysis, so I'm excited to hear what your thoughts were from this game. Yeah, so I thought two things. I think one, it was really good that Richmond didn't give up after they scored that goal. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen them at some points earlier in the season, like back in June when they had the uh, the, the long um, scoreless streak where they, they couldn't get a goal. Uh, they kind of gave up after they, uh, they scored, so I think the mentality was better, and I, I think maybe having a basically a four game unbeaten streak maybe gave them a little bit of confidence in order to to come back in this one um the the other thing was though that i'm still really worried about for richmond is set piece defending because south georgia could have had a goal in the second minute except for the left foot of akira fitzgerald yeah so we've talked to david bulow a little bit about that one like is there anything in particular you think the kickers 
are doing that isn't working or just aren't doing? Because I'm with you that it does seem like they're very vulnerable in set pieces. The goal for South Georgia comes from a free kick, although it's a fairly unstoppable free kick, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that one that one is not on uh, set piece defending at yeah, all. Yeah, no, not so much. That was like, uh, it's one of those like beautiful, like tings off the underside of the bar and then bat- hits the background, bounces back up. It's, it's lovely to see, but it's maybe worth noting there that it does feel like the kickers are vulnerable on set pieces because it feels like they concede a lot of set pieces in that area. And that is sort of a consistent concern for me is resorting to fouling or needing to foul to maybe like snuff out potential attacks, but that then leads to set pieces where the kickers do seem vulnerable. Yeah, I, but a lot of the set piece goals come usually from the sides, not necessarily True. from the run of play or from the center, uh, except for obviously, you know, Mickey Rose, um, you know, 30 yard banger. Um, but other than that, I think it's just that no one attacks the ball, that there's just some confusion maybe who's supposed to be attacking the ball when, uh, when the ball's coming toward the six or the, or the penalty spot on, uh, on, on basically set piece crosses. Mm-hmm. And I think that that you know with coach Bulo has to try and figure that out and they just have to be a little bit better um on understanding what is the what is everyone's role in these uh in those situations. So you had that one against Forward Madison a couple of weeks ago also that what was you know in a similar situation where you know the ball came over and no one really attacked the ball. So you know it's okay to stand up and and make sure that you know if someone's coming in at you that they can't get through you. You're allowed to stand there, but I feel like sometimes even they're, they're, they move to get out of the way is to not to foul someone, and because of that, you wind up you wind up giving away free headers or or the ball falls right into the box where it really shouldn't. Yeah, and, and I think like I, I take your point there, and I would take it one step further to say like so you have that loss uh, to Ford Madison where set pieces come into play, then against uh, Toronto FC two a two two draw, kickers go up two nil, and then it's two goals from set pieces. They concede one this past weekend, so I think that's where my like hesitation to get truly excited about uh what like f- like three wins one draw in the last five games it's a decent record but i still have those like lingering concerns but to your point then for the kickers to turn it around uh obviously getting four goals is a decent way to do that uh two of which came inside of what 15 minutes like that's yep. that's a decent way to respond what do you credit with that turnaround so I, I think the defensive shape for for the kickers has changed. So what I what you notice in this game, and and I don't know if this is something that Coach Bulo kind of learned on some of his jaunts up to. Um, uh, up to the crew because he, I know he's been w- working with with the guys from the Columbus crew on occasion, but basically playing three in the back in uh, basically in attack. So so you you see who's in, on the back line, but you have Akway, Shinovsky, and Ivan, and but but it's not really three in the back. It's really four in the back because Hughes was dropping in to play kind of as a left back mm-hmm. on defense, but then in offense Hughes would go up and stay very tight to the uh, to the left touch line, and w- so so then you had defense. Of cover, and I think that's one of the, the the things that has really helped over the last couple of months is really is that they haven't been beaten a lot on the break, right? So they've been beaten by set pieces, but they haven't necessarily been beaten as frequently as they had earlier in the season on uh, from the run of play. And I think that that defensive line is the other thing is um, I think Brandon Troyer playing a central defensive mid has uh, has really helped yeah. quite a lot too because his vision and his ability to read the game 
team and be able to step up and stop promising attacks has has really been good. You know, when he was playing as as the right um, as the right back, it it didn't feel right, and you know he doesn't have the pace. And I, I think they were trying something similar to what they're doing now, but it just didn't work with Brandon Troyer as kind of a a right center back to right uh, to. to uh, right wing back kind of position, which mm-hmm. is basically what Josh Hughes played in this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that because like uh, Braden Troyer has played. I think he played as like left back for Lee Callishaw way back when. He's played right back this season, but it, it does resonate with me that once he starts being that kind of like defensive midfielder for the kickers, if not a number six, then definitely a like destroyer, uh, like or like a, not a deep line playmaker, but rather a destroyer number six. I would say, um, and and the key thing there for me is is then supplants Maxi Rodriguez guys who starts the season as captain did a lot of defensive work but also tended to drop in between those two center backs as opposed to kind of staying a little bit further up the way Troyer has I think that also factors into the kicker's turnaround and I imagine that's a difficult spot for David Bueller to be in because it's essentially his captain that he has now dropped and when he does the kickers tend to get better results so I'm with you that Troyer uh, is a big part of that one. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a style of play too. So the other thing that that uh, my co-host on League One Fun, uh, Jason, mentioned yesterday, and I think he's absolutely right, is that when Matt Bolduc is playing well, kind of as the number eight, um, it really makes a big difference to the scoring opportunities that are created by the kicker. So he had been playing much wider I, earlier in the season, and now he's also coming a little bit more central and allowing Hughes and and Eli Lockerbie to to go up the other side, and uh, and and Bolduc's able to make that great distribution. So you know the the uh the goal that uh Dennis Chin scored for the uh I think it was the second goal that Dennis Chin scored mm-hmm. that was a direct result of Matt Bolduc making a uh you know basically a line splitting pass right into the the path of Dennis Chin who was able to one time finish it and so I think that that's another of the tactical differences between now and say you know May June time period when Richmond didn't do particularly wasn't doing as particularly well particularly in offense right because mm-hmm. yes you you lost three nothing to North Texas but so was everyone else right it's it's more it's more that that you were losing one nil games instead yep. of those games being a draw or maybe a two one win yeah and it was and it was a combination of not getting enough shooting opportunities which i do think again it's not a shot at at maxi but i think having your midfielder daryl and i talked about it plenty but having your midfielder drop between the two center backs the center backs spread wide the fullbacks go forward i get all that but what tends to happen then is it pulls your central midfielders back it pulls your attackers back and you're just a little bit more compact and even if you are able to play out and like establish possession you're always kind of doing it further back in the field than higher up in the field which is where you want to be trying to establish possession and and opportunities and so I think as the kickers have been a bit more aggressive in their approach and have tried to get the ball forward a bit more regularly and readily I think you've started to get more shooting opportunities and then with that they've started to take the shooting opportunities which is also very important because there did seem to be in that stretch where they weren't scoring times when they like like the cliche of like they couldn't buy a goal kind of fits that like even when it seemed like okay they've got to score here they're definitely going to score here it's an open header it's a it's a one one on one they would find a way not to and i think definitely like getting their heads down conceding that one goal and feeling like oh here we go again we're not going to be able to find the back of the net it's going to finish 1-0 once you start to get into that rhythm it's really difficult to break out of and i think this game is a good example of how things can be different that that first goal for Dennis Chin 
in, it's essentially just chaos. And like there's handball shouts, the ball kind of pings around, it ends up at his feet, he's able to finish. And I think, you know, in, in mid-June, does he end up getting on the end of that one? Maybe, but does he end up finishing it? I don't think so, because I think if your confidence is low, if you're out of form, you maybe aren't in a position to kind of latch onto that one. And even if you do, your head's not in the right position to like just automatically finish instead. I think you're thinking about it and hoping it happens and thinking maybe I should shoot to the far post instead of the near post or the near post instead of the far post. And once you start thinking, you start missing. Well, I think on, on Dennis's first goal, like to your case in point, like he took it one time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really it was really smart that uh, I, I would say here, I think Ivan really created this goal because the ball was pinging around. But the fact that Ivan was still up there, he was playing center back, but he was up for a corner kick and the ball got recycled. And when it came down and it was bouncing around in between about seven players, it gets on. Ivan is facing away from goal, but he must have had the peripheral vision to see Dennis Chin right next to him and just flicks it with the outside of his left foot about two feet or so to to Dennis Chin who then you know took it one time this and shot really hard I I think maybe maybe for for Dennis in particular like you I know you guys were talking on this show about how you know Dennis was very one-footed uh early on in mm-hmm. the season and always seemed to try and get it on one one uh one foot and then tried to be maybe a little bit too finesse now he's just you know hitting it hard and low just get it on frame mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he did that twice this game and it worked out both times it, it certainly did. And then obviously it worked out for Joe Gallardo. Uh, he also gets a brace. Uh, the, the first goal, good. The second goal, uh, very good. Uh, Ira, for you, is that a thing that you, from what you've seen of the kickers, from what you've seen of Joe Gallardo, kind of expected? Or was this a kind of next level goal for him? Yeah, you mean the the goal in the 80th minute that yeah. uh, that is should win goal of the year? Yes, um, <laughs> that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, so so I I guess I do I we knew that he had it in him right because yeah. one thing that Joe Gallardo has always done is is been good at taking on uh, teams one on one one v you know one v two even um, this time it was one v six and he got around <laughs> all six players. I, I guess I did expect that he had that ability. I think I think Joe's Joe's first goal it, it showed. I quite frankly, some of the issues that the kickers had earlier in the season is taking these long range shots that had a very low probability, low probability for success. Uh, But that second goal, you know, he didn't have too many other options going on. And it was it was funny when you watch this goal, because Dennis Chin was standing in between the two center backs as Joe as Joe was basically weaving around. Uh, It was almost like he was weaving around cones, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, how how deftly he did it. But but Dennis Chin is all upset that he didn't get the pass in, you know, right through. Uh, through the two center backs, but then you know starts to cheer after um, you know after Saint Vil gets nutmegged by Joe Gallardo yep. and, and Joe you know finishes in the uh, in in the top netting. So so I think that that was you know good on good on Joe. I, I do think that that in order for to make Joe a more complete player and to help out his teammates, he does have to make those passes a little more. Maybe not in that particular that specific situation, but uh, but there were other times even within this game that he had the ball and he had obvious passes on to either Hughes or to or to Dennis Chin or even to uh, um, or even to Bolduck that he just didn't take. And I, I think that he needs to you know definitely look up and think about passing a little bit more and being more of a facilitator instead of just taking everything on his shoulders see it's it's a confusing like situation because i don't i don't necessarily disagree with you that i think the kickers 
played a little bit faster, got a little bit more possession, looked for combinations a little bit more quickly, they probably get more shooting opportunities. But at the same time, like with what we're talking about with the kickers failing to score so for so long that like when Joe Gallardo is 35 yards, 40 yards from goal, like maybe if he's feeling it, I don't mind him taking it because obviously that's where his first goal comes from. The kicker second is that kind of long range blast. But I would then argue that, yeah, while that's a great goal and well taken and well struck and it has weird spin on it, it's also definitely not going to be the consistent way he scores. Whereas you would expect a few more passing combinations, a few more one-twos through the middle. That seems the more likely route to get consistent goals. Yeah, and, and that was the third goal, the Dennis Chin goal that uh, with the pass from right. Matt Bulldog. That's kind of how that was created where there were a couple of runs being made by Hughes on the left. And uh, you know Bulldog got the, got the ball uh, right around midfield and was able to make that that line splitting pass um but i i think i think earlier in the season when you look at the the shots that were being taken they were all low probability often outside of the box mm-hmm. kind of shots and uh so, so that that's just the one thing that i don't want the kickers to go back to i want the kickers to continue to try to continue to do what they're doing now and obviously it's been working i mean outside of the loss last week it's really been working quite nicely and i think that they need to do that and you know four more home games right for the kickers uh, over the next month and um they do have an outside shot at the playoffs so if if they but they have to win those home games and save serve in order to to ensure that they have any kind of shot yeah and so let's talk about the maybe remainder of the season because and i want to do so by maybe looking at the like the stats from this game because they tell a a big tale for me the kickers have the majority possession possession is a statistic that you know you can go either way on but you look at uh on our show by the way we call it the trash stat see there we go exactly i'm glad we're on the same page (laughs) but like in terms of uh duels one kickers dominant there aerial duels one kickers dominant again interception 17 to 9 for the kickers even like offside kickers offside 3 to 1 uh so like even not like the the be- the good stats you don't want to be offside that regularly but for the kickers to be so attacking in a game, to me, that is actually a positive stat. Uh, not surprisingly, the only one they lose on would be corners, uh, again, set pieces c- coming into play. But I feel like all those stories tell the tale of a team that, to your point, or to your initial point, like fought back from going 1-0 down, probably should have been 2-0 down. You're absolutely right about that save from Akira Fitzgerald. But have that work rate and have that kind of physicality combined with the technical ability to succeed. So with that in mind, I'm wondering if you think that like maybe Maybe the kickers have put themselves in a position where they can see this one out, potentially make the playoffs, if not make the playoffs, and at least have a strong finish to this uh, to this season. Well, I think they definitely have the ability to have the strong finish. You know, the, the playoffs they need help, yeah. and one of the one of the challenges that they'll have is that they basically need other teams to drop about eight points in their remaining games uh, who are in front of them. So the three teams that are in front of them uh, in in playoff order are uh, FC Tucson, who currently is in fourth place on points per game, but then Madison, South Georgia Tormenta, and Chattanooga Red Wolves are all right behind FC Tucson, um, and and are all catchable by the kickers, right? So, so the kickers play all of those teams um, at least one more time. So basically, if the, uh, if the kickers win their four home games, they beat Tucson on the road then the kickers can actually lose to North Texas away, which is fine, right? North Texas at the top anyway. They're probably going to win the league. Um, so so then at that point, you know, th- then they put themselves in really good shape to potentially come in fourth. But, of course, they need a, basically a bunch of draws to occur with those teams in front of them otherwise. And they need, uh, they, they need those teams to lose some points. So they're not mathematically eliminated. There is a road to how to get there. It is a very uphill battle. But, but I think that they could take some – 
some solace if they were to win, say, five of the next uh, of their their next seven games, and and say, hey, we we finished strong, we figured things out, and uh, and and we really built something that we can work on for next season. So let's do let's do an abbreviated like idea of the next couple games. So uh, this coming Saturday, home to Greenville Triumph. Uh, from what you have seen of Greenville, if you were going to give David Bulow like a Cliff Notes version of how to beat Greenville and how not to lose to Greenville at the same time, uh, what would you tell him to focus on in the kicker's attack and then to make sure they pay attention to in terms of Greenville's attack? Well, I, I think not to lose is you know that Greenville is going to cross the ball a lot. That is Greenville's modus operandi. They they always cross the ball from both sides. They're looking for Jake Keegan. They're looking for uh, for, for Gomez in, in the middle. He's their their one kind of creative. He's their he's their version of Joe Gallardo. Although mm-hmm. in my opinion, Joe's probably a little bit better. But Jake Keegan is very good at finding seams and he's able to get on some of those crosses. But they cross a lot. So and, and that's obviously based on the set piece defending that Richmond's had. I think really what they're going to have to work on this week and hopefully they have been working on this week is really defending those crosses clearing the ball out if they don't have 20 clearances in this game I think that's not going to be good for Richmond Um, I think on the offensive side Greenville has a very disciplined defense so I think what they have to what what Richmond's going to have to do is you know, is basically get the ball into the final third and then try and possess there because if they try and play uh, counterattack or very direct uh, kind of type of soccer, it's not going to necessarily work out well for them because Greenville is very has been pretty good all season in uh, disrupting uh, disrupting those kind of counterattacks. So when you watch them against you know FC Tucson or um, or against uh, TFC two, which likes to play that way as well, and and also Chattanooga, Greenville's done well against those teams, whereas they haven't done as well against teams that possession the final third. All right, so say the kickers uh, establish possession in the final third, deal with crosses, they get that win. Up next would be on the road uh, Tuesday, September 10th, so only three days. It's a decent uh, turnaround time. They're uh, away to North Texas SC, who... Despite looking unbeatable at the beginning of the season, now have shown that they are very much beatable on on occasion. Uh, what Lansing, I think, put three past them. That was the one that stands out to me. How have uh, how did Lansing find a way through, or how could the kickers potentially find a way through North Texas? Oh, so Lansing did it by by really keeping up the energy and having just more energy and, mm-hmm. and emptying the tank, pressing North Texas and really disrupting the North Texas possession. And that that's what you have to do. I'm not sure that Richmond's ready to do that, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, of course, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not Richmond's coach. But if if I was, I would probably heavily rotate that game and um and just try and pack the box and just try and limit the damage. So you know, try to um you know, it's always dangerous going away from your core. Um, kind of from from your core playing style, mm-hmm. and, but I, I think for that game you almost have to because, I mean, quite frankly, North Texas is just a more talented team. They're going to be playing at home. You're going to be on the road, and you have another game the following weekend, like four days later. So, um, I, I would almost give up that game because you, they also don't need it. Like I'm assuming, like when I made that prediction of how how Richmond could make the playoffs, the way to do that is not necessarily to beat North Texas; it's to beat everybody else. Okay, I, I like that. I like that approach. It's because it does make sense that like if you go all out against Greenville and like play a very smart game plan, and then you do try to emulate the Lansing formula and go all out, both like in terms of physical exertion but overall effort, like maybe you get that result against North Texas, and maybe you get the result against Greenville. But now your players are totally exhausted <laughs> with uh, several games still to go. So I take your point that maybe that is a rotation 
pack it in, and if you lose 2-0, you lose 2-0, but then you've got uh, fresh starters for Saturday, September 14th, home to Ford Madison. That's maybe the last one I wanted to talk about. I don't want to make you go through every single team unless you uh, you feel inclined <laughs> to do so, but Ford Madison, what should the kickers be uh, aware of uh, there, and then how might the kickers be able to beat them? Obviously, they've already played each other uh, twice, both games in Madison. They split those two. Uh, so what are you expecting in this third one, Ira? Well, I think they need to do exactly what they did the last time when they went to Madison and not give up a set-piece goal. And I think it makes sense to stop there because if Richmond doesn't win that game at home, then their playoff chances basically are gone. Um, but if they you know, they win, they win the two home games and they lose to North Texas, they still have an outside chance of making the playoffs. Um, so Forward has two really good wingers, right? We, you guys know them pretty well now, but Paolo Jr. and mm-hmm. Don Smart. J.C. Banks is uh, in, in the middle for them as their number nine as their striker um and i think the three in the back plan that uh, that coach bulo has in place really did a good job frustrating them last time i mean you could visibly see the forward madison players being frustrated by um by not being able to get high quality chances on richmond uh up there and and remember you know good on richmond good on you guys for limiting that because that was actually the highest most attended match in all of usl league one so far so you know you had a raucous crowd and you know if, if the uh, you know the, the the River City Red Army comes out mm-hmm. in force and is making a lot of noise, maybe you could do that. Uh, you do the, the same thing against Madison and come away with uh, come away with a couple of goals because you know you guys had some good looks in that game. I think it just needed to be more clinical. All right. So and we need to have like the flamingo uh, noises, like our version of that to throw them <laughs> off. I don't know what a kangaroo noise would be, but a way to put them off on set pieces. Sure. Okay. All right. Perfect. So the goal should be six points from those uh, three games, and that puts the kickers at least in a stronger position for the playoff hunt. Final sort of couple questions for you about the kickers, uh, kind of season as a whole, Ira. Uh, I wanted to ask, like, who are the players that you think uh, have stood out for the kickers in a good way? And then maybe are there any that have stood out in the wrong way? So, you know, certainly Joe Gallardo, I, I think he is someone who, you know, has stood out and it just, you know, needs to, I think, just improve his vision again, like we talked about earlier. I, I've been pretty impressed with Dennis Chin, actually, and his his development over the course of the season as well. Mm-hmm. So and part of this might be chemistry. Part of this is uh, probably coaching. But, you know, he, he didn't look as effective earlier in the season than he has the last five or six weeks. So I think that that he's been uh, quite a, um, you know, quite a revelation, I think, in uh, for the team. Um, you know, the disappointments, um, you know, not – I mean, kind of the team cohesion mm-hmm. certainly back in May and June was was a big disappointment. And I, I I don't know if there was any individual players that you could really you know point to that. I, I think you know Maxi Rodriguez certainly one that looked very promising early, and you know he. I don't think you could say he was at fault for everything, but he definitely didn't seem, uh, you know, obviously given the, the run of form that they've had with him not playing, you know, clearly maybe he didn't fit into what Coach Bulo had in mind. That that makes sense to me, uh, and and I want to add with Joe Gallardo that like that that goal from this weekend, the second goal, like I'm not saying he is like so good, he's a world beater or anything like that, but like the player who I see make those types of runs and score those types of goals most consistently is Lionel Messi, and if you watch that goal, you can see just a few of those moments of like. 
Gallardo knows exactly what he's doing as he's dribbling across the middle, exactly how to set guys up and kind of slow up and then accelerate to get away. He waits that like little touch perfectly to set up the nutmeg, and then the nutmeg itself is perfectly, so he can then get oh, that he was shot def- off. He definitely was trying to do that too. Oh right? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but it's and then like the but then the choice like where he finishes, how he finishes, all of that is is sort of stuff like not to oversimplify, but it's stuff that you can't really coach. Like you can help develop that, but those are all skills that he has already. So I'm with you that like develop a little bit more, get that kind of team play down, get the possession down, move the ball a little bit faster. And I think that's a guy who kind of skyrockets in my estimation in terms of where I think he ends up in his playing career. So that's that's been, I think, my bright spot to the season is sort of to see in a player like Joe Gallardo all of the kind of strengths he has, but then some of the vulnerabilities and ways he has sort of addressed them and then ways in which he still could potentially address them. That's what makes me uh, pretty pumped for the remainder of the season, even if the kickers don't make the playoffs. But that is my next question for you. If they don't make the playoffs, like, like obviously not uh, getting to go to the postseason is always going to be a disappointment. But for the kickers who have the kind of long history that they do, who came in as a, a, a relatively stable organization, how big of a disappointment do you think it is to miss the playoffs, uh, albeit in a league where, what, only 40% make it, as opposed to in Major League Soccer where I think uh, 90%? It's uh, 52%. Yeah. <laughs> so the, You're better uh, at stats than me. <laughs> well, I'm an economist, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I, I think it, you know, for a fan, it has to be disappointing. But we have to remember this is a new team, right? So there's only five holdovers sure. from last year, right? So Coach Bulo, yes, he was a holdover too, but he only had the team for half a season. So this is the the first time, right? New league. I think I think if you're a fan, you have to be happy with the style that they're playing and how they're looking. Like they're playing pretty soccer in the last, basically since beginning of July, they've been playing pretty soccer, even though they haven't always gotten the result. And I think that that's something you have to take some solace in and know that they're building towards something. My my whole thing is now is, you know, can the the kickers and and you know can can the coach and and uh, Matt Sparks can they. Can they keep enough players Matt, and Matt only Spear, add the GM? Is that Matt Spear, excuse yeah, cool. me, yeah, Matt Spear. Mm-hmm. Um, keep uh, keep enough players and just add one or two pieces in order to take this take things to the next level. Because yeah, you know, cleaning house every year like a lot of USL teams do, it, it doesn't make for the kind of cohesion and pretty soccer next year. Because then you're always rebuilding every single year. So hopefully, uh, they can keep some of these these players. Although it would not be surprising if one or two. You know, ended up on uh, on a championship or um, or maybe even MLS team as a as a depth uh, piece. You know, Joe Gallardo potentially being one of them. All right. Well, there we are. Well, Ira, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk uh, all things USL League One, which we did for the Top Door Soccer Show. We we broke down pretty much every team in the league and some young players uh, for each team. Uh, and then obviously uh, today, talking Richmond Kickers with me, uh, helping me make sense of that game and the come, the come from behind victory, but then also making sense of the season as a whole. And what to expect in the next couple games that I'm very excited about because now I have an idea of what to watch for and, and kind of grade whether or not the kickers are responding accordingly. So thank you very much for all of those many things. Great to be on with you, Taylor. Taylor.